Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome to the Good Money Show on this special day, June 16. A lot happened on this day. Memories were created, painful, and a lot more that has happened in this day has shaped the future of the country and the destiny of the country. Mm. The country has become different from what it would have been had June 16 not happened. Reggie. Good afternoon. Yeah, I feel like you should be a poet. You oh. just were so precise about it. And you know what? I can feel myself receiving the freedom even more. You think I should ta- change my day job? <laughs> yeah, and consider being a poet, you know. Well, well, well. <laughs> if Reggie has spoken, who am I to argue against yeah, that? Yeah, and then I'll be backing you up with some bass. You Will know? you be? Yeah. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Good afternoon, people. Yes, it is uh, seven minutes past six, and of course we are going to be going on w- with our show. It will not take the normal uh, structure that it normally does, since it is a special day. We normally speak of finances through and through, but today is a special day. We're going to touch a bit on finances, but we're going to speak about the state of the youth, the state of the country, the state mm. of leadership. All those things are going to be addressed by a guest that will be joining you uh, soon. Mm. All right. Um, we are going to introduce the guest. Um, whilst introducing the guest, I think, um, TK, are we, are we ready for the guest? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Okay. It looks like our guest is ready. Confirmed? Yes, absolutely. We've got our guest. Um, it's a young lady. Her name is Kensani. So she is going to be speaking about matters that I've alluded to. Okay, she's originally from Joburg, and she's a daughter of Hope Restoration Ministries. Mm. She was born and bred here. She is passionate about the country, and she is passionate about leadership, and she is passionate about Christ. So all that combination, mm. we're going to, to speak um, to it. 
Yes, if I can just give you a bit of background about this young lady that we're going to speak to today. She is a matriculant in Kabecha, that is in the Eastern Cape. Mm. And of course, she's doing her, her final year of school, which uh, she says is quite a very daunting task. But of course, she's looking forward to the end <laughs> of that uh, schooling yeah. journey. Yes, yeah, so a bit of background about her. She is from Jobit. Currently at school, she's a prefect. She is a head of SCA. This is Students' Christian Association. Mm. She is a head of debate, and she's got full currents for debate. She is a member of the SGB, and she is the head of transformation of her school. So she is going to speak about matters of leadership and where the country stands and, and leadership. So, yeah, of course, we're going to take a little break, and then thereafter we're going to shoot right straight into, into matters that we need to, to talk about, and we'll hear what our guest has got to, to deliver. Shall we take a small break, and we shall be joining you in a few seconds. But before that, can um, listeners yes, interact remember with Yes, remember you us? can still connect with us. We are on Facebook, that is Hope Alive Radio Station. Twitter, that is Hope Alive underscore radio. And our WhatsApp line is 067-153-1089. We'd like to hear from you. We'd like to hear your comments. And the youth out there, um, this is the platform for us to be talking today. So do send that voice note, send that um, text, WhatsApp, and let's engage. Absolutely. Let's engage. We'll see you after this. You're listening to Hope Alive, your number one online Christian radio station. This is Hope Alive radio station, shaping minds for a better future. At K-Divine Projects, we provide a wide range of products, from the supply of general office stationery to other consumable products. We offer the following services. General office stationery supplies, fruit and veggie supplies, supply of perishable and non-perishable food items, bottle water supply, tissue paper supply, cleaning supplies, mask and sanitizer supplies. We supply corporate companies, private companies, and the government with a complete office solution. Don't hesitate to contact us on 076-770-4988 or email us at kdivprojects at yahoo.com. KDivide, your dedicated, reliable service provider. Do you want to take your business to the next level? Advertise on Hope Alive Radio and reach customers around the world. Call us on 011-976-0600 or visit our website at www.hopealiveradio.co.za. Alternatively, you could email info at hopealiveradio.co.za for more information. Act now and get more clientele. Good afternoon. Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome back to, to our show. It was nice to have a, a bit of water. Eh? A bit of water, yes. Absolutely. Always good. Great. Without measure further ado, we are going to uh, connect with our guest now, Kensani, after that introduction. Good afternoon, Kensani. Good afternoon, Mr. Ketane. Are you well? Um, thank you. I'm doing very well, thank you. It's been a good day. Wonderful, wonderful. How's Gabecha today? It's been a it's been a very, it's been nice weather. Um, surprisingly for winter, it should genuinely just be colder, but the weather's been great. It's nice and sunny today. Mm. Oh. No wind as well. 
Oh, beautiful. Because yeah. we, we know yeah. you as a country that has four seasons in five minutes. You are a country on your own, hey? <laughs> Hardly. I feel like actually contrary to belief, that's more Cape Town thing. But the weather is a lot more <laughs> predictable here. Ah, well, you're rooting for your province. You're rooting for your province. <laughs> Beautiful. I suppose I still live in. Oh yeah, absolutely. I suppose oh. I still live in Joburg. You still live in Joburg. Your heart is in Joburg, yeah. hey? Now, beautiful. Yeah, it has to. Great, great, great. Amazing, amazing, Kinsan. It's good to have you on on the show, on the Good Money Show. And you know what? Um, we welcome you, and I'm sure our listeners are also happy to be having you today. Although you are so much social distancing from us, hey, but it's okay. I do <laughs> believe that um, we're going to have great fun with you. So I have a question for you. You know, today is June 16, and my first mm. question to you is that: What does June 16 mean to you? Thank you so much, sir. Um, I feel like the you know June 16, obviously, um, not obviously, actually, it's just to commemorate what happened um, in in 1976 and the Soweto uprising and. I feel like um, as a student and as someone who is obviously being educated in this country, it's really important as a black student as well, it's important to um, just pay heed to the reason why I'm here and um, what people had to sacrifice in order to my being here. And so um, I don't take it lightly. I I think I, I appreciate and I can see what it took to get me here. And so I really value what's happening. So you, you, you believe that it's very important that we commemorate it um, June 16? Oh, 100%. I feel mm-hmm. like if, um, if moments like this, in pivotal moments in our history aren't commemorated, I feel like we forget them and we forget, um, I think, not knowing where we come from mm-hmm. easily makes us take the present for granted, easily makes me take my education for granted yeah. when I don't know how hard people have to fight for them not to be educated. Mm-hmm in Afrikaans or, you know, um, those kinds of, those kinds of conditions. So it's really important that I actually know, um, what the basis and the foundation of my education is. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Amazing. So mm. now, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think it, it, when, when I'm thinking of June 16, um, a, a part of me just thinks of things of, um, like, uh, the bad things which happen, the people being beaten up and uh, the killing. Mm. Don't you think maybe it reminds us of like, it sort of takes us back instead of now as a country, black, white, Indian coming together, we are reminding each other what we did to each other. And some of us were actually not there. I like, I think like myself and you, <laughs> we're, we're not there, you know. So um, don't you think maybe it's taking us back to, to the wounds which we've maybe forgot about? You know, I feel like I, I definitely understand um, where that comes from. But I feel like because there is still so much um, indoctrination and oppression that people are facing now, it's it's difficult to start looking back, um, kind of like pulled backward, because I think that the pain uh, mm. that people are still facing now it exists, and so I feel like it's important that we actually realize that you know what this is where we come from, this is what's happened, and mm. if we can all acknowledge it. Yeah. and realize how significant this is in our history, we can better understand each other. And mm-hmm. so I feel like if, if, if as a generation, um, across all races, if people can understand why it's such, a, such an important thing or why mm-hmm. perhaps I take this holiday, this, you know, this day so seriously, I think it's actually better if they realize, you know, the, the atrocities that used to take place and the violence yeah, yeah. that took place, sure. and they can understand, you know, that's why Kenzie thinks this is so mm-hmm. serious. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, I actually think that people understand it better. It's actually a better stride for our country. Mm, amazing. Could, could you say, Kansani, mm. that this day is commemorated uh, properly or appreciated uh, the way it should be? Because in many cases, in certain sectors of society, it's simply a, a day to bry, you know, and never mm. taking anything more seriously than, than you do. Is it just an ordinary mm-hmm. day to, to Brian? Look, 1976 is a way long away. Couldn't we move on mm-hmm. and, and just and just carry on and sing Kumbaya? You know what I mean? Those days are gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so I, I think that um, I, I, I think I agree with you that a lot of, I think in public holidays in general that commemorate the things that happened in the past um, are easily overlooked and it's like, oh, it's another day, a day off the week, a longer weekend. Um, and sure, like, my, my expectation is not that, you know, like the whole world stops and the birds stop singing and then all we do and we talk about is what happened on that day. But I think it's important to know the significance of it. Um, and that means having conversations. It means that it's just being really aware of what happened and being aware how those things affect society now and have affected your, um, have, have affected like where you are right now. So, I mean, I was born, I'm only in matric, I was born in 2003. So, mm. 1976 was a long time before I was even around. Mm. However, I know um, the effects that that had on my existence now. I know, I have an idea of what could have happened had that day not have taken place. Yeah. And so, I think that it's important that um, people just take heed to what's happening. Uh, it doesn't have to be a massive show, but um, I just, it's important that people understand and they know. Mm. Mm. All right. Having taken into account our, our history, what do you do mm-hmm. like to see happening, having that background, um, that, that people have suffered, people have lost their lives, they've uh, had their lives heavily, heavily um, disrupted. What would you like mm. to see going forward? So when, when you ask that, do you mean in terms of um, to see from like members of society from the youth or from like a higher authority? Absolutely. Um, a combination of the youth as well. What would you rather have youth doing and what would you expect the authorities and society in general to be receiving this day? Okay. So I think, I think I'll, I'll kind of start higher up and I'll make my way down. I feel like from, I feel like from the authorities, the highest authorities, you know, in our country, you know, which are the governments, the people that are making decisions for us and are affecting um, the schooling system. Um, I, I, I really, I expect, because I feel like obviously what happened then was a result of um, the, 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 the circumstances of high school students right then and, you know, the, the, the under-resourcing and the overcrowding and obviously the, the, the cherry on top of this already horrible cake was... Um, the implementation of Bundy education that made Afrikaans the medium of instruction. So I feel like knowing that and taking that into account, I feel like it's important that we really look at the way that schooling systems are structured because sure, right now our schooling, our, you know, our secondary schools aren't under the apartheid regime. However, when you look at the issues of being under-resourced and overcrowding and all of that sort of things, there's still very prevalent issues that we face in our schools, right? Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. That's, that's how I feel that our issues actually haven't been solved. I think that that day and what happened on this, on, in 1976 was very significant. But we're still facing a lot of those struggles, just in very different ways. And so I think from, from the highest authorities, I feel like, you know, for a country that says we really value education, mm. I don't really see that being, um, I don't really see that coming through. And so, you know, 
I'm aware of that. Like I'm aware of the fact that it's not a quick process and that, you know, it's just not a snap of a finger mm. and everything is how we want it to be. But I think that more um, dedicated efforts um, would, would be, that, that'd be great. And then I feel like from the youth, I just, and I feel like we're talking about different groups, but I feel like just, because for those, let me speak about, I feel like you said, you know, is in a schooling system that is working and that is functional and that, you know, that's positive. And some people who, so I'll speak from that group first, and from those who own a schooling system where there are provision of the education, um, I feel like it's being taken seriously. I feel like from that, it's actually, I just expect for them to understand that where they are, where I am, isn't the norm for a lot of people and that that isn't the standard. And so being mindful and recognizing that actually I'm in a position, I'm very advantaged where I am um, and that it's a privilege for me to be sitting where I am and knowing that and knowing not to take that lightly. And it means that valuing what you have and working towards it. But I feel like for those who aren't in that position where they can't say, no, actually, like I'm in a great um, system, I feel like it's important for them to know um, simply because, you know, when you're aware of something um, that, that, is, that is a problem, I feel like you can best, best, better work to improving it. And if they know what's happened, if they're aware of what they actually deserve, then there's a standard that they can hold that they can hold and that everyone else can be accountable to because if I know that this is not what I deserve, this is not what the standard should be, um, I can do better to challenge it because I'm aware of the issue. But, you know, that's always isn't, that isn't always a condition where they can say, okay, no, this is the problem, please fix it. But otherwise then, um, yeah, to do as best as they can to, yeah, to do as best as they can to, to make the best of where they are as, mm-hmm. as bad as that sounds knowing that you know that isn't an ideal situation that they shouldn't be in anyway mm-hmm. um but overall i just think that we should be aware and take just be very aware of our surroundings and what yeah. we have and, and what we should have mm-hmm. yeah. so uh, are you saying that there is a general awareness uh between schools that are under-resourced um that are underprivileged and those schools that are well-resourced and, and privileged is there some kind of relationship or there are some people that sit in cloud nine and don't know exactly what is happening in in other sectors of society and society that generally uh commemorates uh this day is there such an ignorance or is there um an, an awareness and maybe a willingness to to assist uh, those that um, are less privileged from, from those uh, schools or institutions? You know, I feel like there are people who know and who are aware um, that they are in a position that is, you know, that is an advantage position. But to be honest, I feel like for the majority of people who are sitting in privileged schools um, have no idea. Mm. Or they, I feel like because they, they've been so protected and because this is probably all that they've known, they don't know the conditions that people face. I think, sure, there is that sort of, you know what, like maybe not every school has like a water polo field mm-hmm. or has three cat labs, but I don't think they understand how dire the situation is in a lot of schools. Mm-hmm. So I think that they realize, oh, like, you know, I'm better off than a lot, but I don't think they realize just how much better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, that that's something that needs to be addressed, that needs to be highlighted, because I don't think that really is an excuse for that in 2021. Um, where there's so much available for people to just learn. And it's your country. Anyway, so I do feel like um, it would be such a strife for our generation if, if people who were, um, people people who are advantaged and more privileged to understand 
um, what what an on like you know how 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 much weight there is attached to that. Interesting, interesting. Before the second question, yeah. I just want to throw a disclaimer out there, which you should have done right at the beginning of the show, that uh, Reg and I work for a financial institution and the views that we express on this show are not necessarily those of that company. And of course, the student, Kansani, that we're speaking to right now is not representing the school that she goes to and therefore the views that she expresses mm. on this show are her views and her views alone. Yes, Kansani, mm. after that, um, that we've dispensed with, so are we saying that um, people are just not better off since the dawn of democracy? Mm. I mean, this has been 27 years ago. Are you saying that we, we know better off at all? And if you want to, to use demographics... Um, in it, blacks and whites, mm. are we better off? Are we are we worse off? What is a, a, a young person's view on this? I feel like this is that this is such. I feel like it's a complex question because there there are a lot of layers to it. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, I could say that yes, we are better off. Um, in terms of the policies that are placed onto people, and so simple things like that were mm. very petty, like segregation act and not being able to vote, something like democracy, the vote is extremely mm, important mm. in this country. Um, in terms of like not being able to attend, attend like a certain school, all of that sort of thing, I feel like, is, I think it's clear and it's adamant, it's, it's very clear that um, it's, it's good for us as a society and that it's been a positive thing. However, within that, because I think that the, the, the systemic and the institutionalized systems that are put in place, um, in terms of institutionalized racism and all of that sort of thing, I think that they are still so deeply entrenched in our society that despite my ability to attend a school that I do or despite someone's ability to go to a varsity or enter a certain profession, because of the way that these systems have been built, it's difficult for a person of color, it's difficult for a woman to break through, right? And so as much as, and I value it, as much as, you know, people of color can go to certain schools, um, the the gaps in terms of um, in terms of financing of different households and communities are still very different. So as much as maybe I can actually put an fill in an application form, whether that's even on the cards in terms of affordability for my family is a completely different question. Mm. And so yes, I suppose we're free and we've made a strike towards democracy because this is not closed off to me. This is, you know, quote unquote, closed off to me. But the realities are because of um, the, the the lack of, of funding and because of all of that sort of thing that stems from um, apartheid and because of previous um, mm. oppression and indoctrination, those things still exist. So it still makes it difficult, despite my ability to do something, to actually get there, right? Because you see people getting degrees and breaking into professions but that profession is dominated um, by different racial groups. And so it's difficult for them to go past that entry-level position. Mm. So I feel like, sure, the door has been open, and we value that door opening. I'm sure, because, I mean, I can't speak for what life was like in apartheid, but I'm sure that um, I'm living a beautiful life, to be honest. Mm. Um, in terms of, like, I don't have to carry on a passbook, all of that sort mm. of thing. Um, police brutality isn't as rife. I'm aware of that, and I'm grateful for it. However... There are a lot of people whose lives aren't that much, that, that aren't really that different. Like, sure, by name, they, they aren't second-class citizens because, you know, you know, the Constitution says that we're all inherently equal and valuable. However, 
because of the jobs that they have, because of the, the places that they live in and the service delivery there and the fact that they, all of that, all of those components make it difficult to say, okay, it's democracy, the vote was great, and now we're all living the life that we want to live. Um, yeah, so I feel like it's good things that happen, 100%. I won't go back on that. However, there's still a, you still have a lot, there's still a way to go before we can say, fantastic for every member of this country i think that it's yeah i think it's a long way we're, we're still a long way from from getting to that point mm. so you you mm. you disagree mm. with the sentiment that says you know what democracy came it's 27 years later please shush man let's carry on with our lives you know uh wh when are you going to shush man why do you want to be always blaming the past i mean that is gone and past it's buried you know, you now can can vote. What do you say to that? Are we are we mm. uh, are we adopting a victim mentality of trying to to hold on to the past? No, listen, Katana. Actually, I loathe that sentiment so much um, because I mean, we we are not even set years into democracy. If you just look at the basic, you know, setting feelings aside and setting setting all of those sort of things aside, we're not even set years into democracy. But we were in four, over 46 years of apartheid, and before that, there was the Union of South Africa. That goes all the way back to like colonization, indoctrination, that goes all the way back to mining, um, way back when, right, from the 1400s, well, like 1600s from then on. So it's been centuries um, of the, the disenfranchisement of black people. And so for people to think that we're saying, no, it's been X amount of years since democracy. You know, because I hear that sentiment a lot. I mean, like, we weren't even born. And it's like, okay, mm. I might not have been alive, but I can still see the results of it now. I yep. can still see um, in my family, in my circles, if you drive to certain parts of this country, not even, you know, all of these places still exist. And the the legacy of what happened to people is still very, very rough. And so for people to say that, if you look at the demographics of, like, the best schooling system or the best varsities in South Africa, you cannot tell me that we should just get over things. I mean, um, if you look at, let me, let me give Stellenbosch University as an example. If you look at the demographics of South Africa, it's up to the 70% who are black. But I can't, obviously, I don't know um, Stellenbosch's demographics off the top of my head, but I can promise you that it's not 70% black people in, mm. in that kind of institution. And so I... I can't actually wrap my head around that kind of thought process to say that it's been 27 years, fantastic, like, you know, kind of get over it. How can I get over it? If you, if black people are qualified, they are sitting, very few of them are sitting in the top six of, of, of they're sitting in corporate South Africa. Corporate South Africa is dominated by white males. And so I feel like it's, it's a very, very um, difficult thing picture. to process. Mm very very um frustrating actually i find when someone really says no no it's been 27 years but what 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 evidence of that equality that you are then asserting can we see because sure life has gotten better for life has gotten better mm -hmm. in certain ways for certain people and significantly better for others but truth be told for the majority of south africans mm. people are still sitting in the same in a slightly better position than they were before mm. so you, you can't, I, I don't believe that you can undo a century of, of displacement and disenfranchisement in 27 years and expect everything to be fine and say bygones be bygones when people are still living in the legacy of that oppression. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's not okay. Yeah, so 
you know, well, since we are in in the good money show, you know, we mostly talk about mm. money. So, like, um, do you think we did receive our freedom? But in terms of financial freedom, slightly, um, we're still struggling in that field. Oh, 100%, sir. I think if, because uh, I'm trying to scale this to see who um, was in the job market at a certain time. But if you look at, because um, there's obviously there's this term, obviously that's black tax, where yeah. that people could be educated and they could work jobs, but then the, the money that they that they make from that doesn't just go to their immediate family, mm-hmm. right? It has to go to supporting um, either their parents or their siblings or that sort of thing. And so when you look at um, the older generation mm-hmm. um, that was still in, in, in the job markets when, when, when democracy came about, they haven't received financial freedom because they, what they work towards and the, 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 what they gain doesn't just go towards their immediate family, right? Which is the picture that we've been drawn. The picture that we've been drawn in the world is that what you work for, um, you benefit from and your immediate family. But that isn't the case for many people. But then you also look at the fact that some people would qualify to go to university, but they can't afford to go to university. Or um, they go to university, but maybe university isn't an option because they need to get a job straight out of matric so that they can provide for their younger sibling who is still in school. So by name, yes, I feel like because institutions can't be closed off, no blacks allowed, I definitely think that um, the, the issue of, of the financing and that kind of financial freedom is still a very big one. And I think that's the cause of a lot of, it, it, it contributes to the cycle that we see in our country right now. Um, so I definitely think there hasn't been financial freedom for any generation, actually, mm. since democracy. Mm. Well, you, you mentioned that uh, a lot of uh, high positions, uh, say CEO positions, decision-making positions in corporate South Africa are occupied mostly by, by, by white males. But one can, can mm. argue that those people are sitting there because they are qualified for it, they're experienced, mm. and therefore mm. they should be able to run those corporations. So if because mm. I'm black and I just want to be placed there, if I do not have the skills, the necessary education and all the skill set to be able to perform what they do in order to lift the economy from where it is to 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 higher levels surely if if mm. if i'm white and i'm sufficiently qualified why should i be why should i not be there so the thing is i understand the issue of obviously being um qualified for something because you know x company needs qualified people to run it but the issue that we find ourselves with is that they are they are increasing amounts right because um, because people were closed off from university, not just because, I mean, universities like the forte um, were still open, but in terms of the, the, the very functional things about going to university in terms of like actually being able to get there and get through four years of schooling and then getting a job and all of that sort of thing wasn't possible for so many people. But now you see that happening. You see people going to university, people being qualified, people trying to climb the corporate ladder. But the issue that we have now I'm not talking about those who aren't adequately qualified for jobs. Mm-hmm. Those aren't the people that I'm discussing. But there are enough people, in my opinion, who are of color, who are women, who are qualified for these jobs. But because, um, honestly, because of, I feel like because of white monopoly, they aren't able to break into their spheres. So I'm talking about people who are qualified, people um, who should be eligible for these jobs, but who mm-hmm. just can't break into those seats, they can't enter that room. 
And I do think that that is due to their race or due to their gender, just because that isn't um, that isn't the realm that they that they're involved in. Because I feel like if there are four levels hypothetically, um, women and black people can qualify the first level, and maybe the lucky one the second. But the third and the fourth are kind of off limits at this point um, to people, and so that's I think that's a very big problem. Is there a way of, of getting yeah. around this? Because, I mean, if, if, if you were to, to try and dismantle that structure that, okay, it's, it's white males that are sitting uh, up there and you want to introduce people of color and, and women uh, as well, um, don't you think that would actually interfere with the smooth running of a profit-making um, entity by trying to, to uh, introduce the, the former ma- marginalized individuals? Mm-hmm. No, I feel like um, 1960s South Africa was running perfectly fine, right? There were parties that were banned. Um, the black consciousness movement hadn't started yet. And so one could argue that in the 1960s, South Africa went smoothly under the apartheid regime, but it's clear now that you can tell that that actually wasn't okay. Mm. And so I didn't think that saying that, oh, because the system runs smoothly and these people know each other and it's kind of been a family thing that that's how it should stay. I think it's clear, it's abundantly clear that there are more than enough people that are qualified for that job. And so people just haven't been allowed to occupy space. It's not for lack of qualification mm. or know-how. It's simply because people don't want to give up their seats and that doesn't make sense. Give people the fair opportunity to do that. Because you see that aside from actually having qualification, it's ties, right? Um, it's networking that people have been able to do. It's because people can have conversations about the schools that they went to, about the jobs that they attended, and say, oh, no, we did this, we did that. And there's that kind of conversation arising. And so to answer your question of how do other, how do people of color, how do women break into that market, I feel like because more and more people have been able to pass through these kinds of systems, they can relate better. But those are still the minority, right? the people who have been able to go to, um, like maybe model C schools or, or private schools, then can have a conversation. They can contribute that, oh, no, but we were better at hockey or whatever. So I think that's one way in. But other than that, it's just, I think, taking the hard line and saying, you know, give people the fair opportunity. If we sit down at that table and I can contribute that and we're equally qualified or even more so qualified than you, and there are only six seats, people are going to have to give their seats up for people who can do their job better. It's as simple and easy as that. Hmm. Interesting. But then tell me something. Um, given all these dynamics that play themselves in, in general um, society, social standings, mm. and in, in, in corporate, is there really any hope for, for the youth? Um, do, should they really be, be, be trying? Should they, should they be trying given the odds mm. that, that face them. And I'm talking mm. black youth in general. But of course, there, there, mm. there, there is a case for white youth as well that were born into, into that system that oppressed other people. They are not to be blamed for it because um, you mm. do hear sentiments like, hey, I wasn't there. I wasn't born when this happened. I did not implement this. So why should I make way for a, a person of color? So is there, is there any hope really for, for black youth um, specifically? No, I feel like um, we can't make a blanket statement of, oh, just, you know, just work, keep your head down, do the best you can, and you'll have the promise of a future. Um, Yeah, I don't think we can go as far as to say that. 
but what I can say is is that um, it doesn't take a lot of hope. I feel like knowing where we were, granted that there's a lot of things that we as a country need to work on and work towards, I feel like knowing that it is a possibility for you. Um, I think the hope of that, I think, is really important and I think it's possible. And despite how rigid the systems are that we see, we still do see people taking up space, managing to do certain things. Um, you see rising numbers of women in, in male-dominated industries and rising numbers of people of color um, in any industry, and that's always a good sign. And so the more that we see people making it in places that we never thought we could, mm-hmm. I think that in itself is a hope beyond my ability, beyond um, you know Katie's hope to do ABC. I think it's really helpful to see you know, people who are like me taking up space. And mm-hmm. so like a small example of um, looking at the demographics because we have um, something called Founders Day and space to commemorate the founding of the school and all of that sort of thing. And people who um, came to the school before will start to show up. But it's when you see people of color, when you see, when I see, you know, black women showing up to Founders Day, that means something to say, you know what, they went through the school and they went through the system and they managed to show up. Um, and they managed to get into um, high places. And so seeing things like that show that, you know, actually so-and-so is doing it. They have, they have to work hard to do it, but they have done it. I think that is hope. And so just seeing that people are there, um, I definitely think is hopeful. Mm, interesting to hear. But then um, this is all about, about mm-hmm. leadership, you know. Um, mm-hmm. There's got to be someone that drives the process. There's someone that's got to drive the system. There's someone that's got to drive policy to 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 take us to to where we need to be um mm. l- look we we all believe in democracy and of course um not necessarily an anc uh, card carrying member as such but we speak of the freedom charter which says south africa mm. belongs to to all that live in it and that means everybody must have um opportunities but what wh- what what do you say mm. about the state of the country and and leadership um, I hear from many quarters um, where people would say the government if is full of old people, and those <laughs> old people should yeah. be should be removed. Do do you have any sentiment around that? I, d- I definitely do. Um, I think that. Are, are you saying old people must be removed? Be be careful here. I think yeah, I I'll, I'll be very careful. I will. I'll make sure <laughs> to watch my words. <laughs> I'll make sure to watch my words. Hmm. So. The thing is that, or well, obviously we look at, like, um, because the ANC is the ruling party, I think that they're, they're the perfect example for this. So basically, I feel like the the foundation of the ANC um, were people who were imperative to the struggle, right? People that were anti-apartheid, um, people that were resistors. And so obviously we came into democracy, and those people, because they were figures, because they were leaders, in the anti-apartheid movement, became leaders of this new democracy. And so when we, when I feel like when young people speak about old people being in parliament, for the most part, the people who are in parliament right now, who are old, were people that contributed to the anti-apartheid struggle. And it only makes sense because they led um, people out of that struggle to lead them into this new dawn, into this new beginning. Mm. But the issue that we have now is that, you know, with full respect and honor to the people who did what they did and the sacrifices that they made and those who aren't even here now to see what they work towards, yep. mm-hmm. with respect to those people, 
they were anti-apartheid activists. I'm not sure that they're supposed to be where they are. I'm not sure that they're meant to be MECs and that they're supposed to be ministers and they're supposed to be uh, members of, of parliament, simply because I'm not sure that, they, that they're qualified. Granted, I'm sure there are some of them who, you know, who are qualified in terms of actually have the know-how to fill a role of minister of this or that. Are you talking but education I like here? I am talking about education. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that that wasn't the priority for most of them, but that's the reality. Um, I need, I just don't want to call, like, names, but we need a, if you, someone needs to be the principal of the school, um, and now we're speaking way high up if you're talking about MECs, that sort of thing. Those, I need those people to be qualified, right? If I'm going to be, I need the principal of the school, I need them to know what they're doing, to lead the staff well in order to lead the learners well and in order to steward our education well. And so I feel like because those were the leaders at the time, they've now saturated our leadership now and they've saturated parliament. And so their fight with the respect was the one that took place then and I want to honor them for that. However, I'm not sure that a lot of them who are the ministers of so many different sectors in this country, um, who are leaders of so many like um, you know, cities and, and municipalities are qualified to do so. And it's not it's not it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have anything it's not so much an age thing, but I think age is used simply because there were people, there were veterans from that time who have now taken up the space. And they are old, but I think more than them being old being an issue, I just feel like it's the fact that many of them aren't adequately qualified to fulfill the roles that they are today. And I think amongst other issues, like granted there are a lot of other issues. I think that's the issues why we have the the reason why we have a lot of service delivery issues. Simply yeah. because I'm not sure those people can actually do the job that they've been given. Yeah. Mm. Well, what would be the solution? How would you turn this around? Given given made president just one day, how would you turn that around? Made president for one day. Just I feel for like one day to I, transform I, the whole system. I would need way more time. Can I? Maybe if I could have a time machine or like, <laughs> okay. like an automatic system. I'm not sure, but ideally, um, I feel like people who it's not so much an age thing, but sure, people who are younger, who are qualified, or people even at that age, um, who are qualified. If, if okay, well, if I could, you know, shift everything right now. Um, I'd make sure that everyone who was occupying a parliamentary seat or occupying a position um, of authority in this country in terms of um, politics and governance, so people who were qualified for that job. And sure, qualification does mean, I mean, like a, you know, a degree from the university, but it also does mean, you know, working in that sphere and all of that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, but having people who, on a head level, can actually get the job done. And then obviously people who have the heart politics and have a heart for the people in this country who want to aid um you know who want to work for the betterment of all of its citizens hmm. but tell me then wh- yeah. what's what's the the concept there, there's a concept of excellence and you find uh, a concept that speaks to black excellence uh, I, I normally hear this branded around blacks, black mm-hmm. excellence as opposed to to excellence. What what is this? Can you can you decode this in 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 your mind? How do you what do you think of it? All right. So I feel like well, excellence in general. I mean, it's just doing you know exceedingly well at something. Well, I that that's the term that's used. So if anyone just does really well, like you know, gets I'm not sure, like gets distinctions or you know, gets some loud, all of that sort of thing. You know, that is excellence. But the reason why I feel like black has been put before is because 
I feel like there's been so much more. There's been so much of a build-up and so much of an effort before reaching that excellence that makes it so much better. And I feel like that puts it in its own category, right? And so I feel like because of the fact that there's some previous um, disadvantage, because of the fact that, say, um, someone, a person of color does well in an engineering, you know, industry, because of the fact that that was, because of the fact that firstly they were previously disadvantaged, because they probably had to maybe, there are lots of, but in terms of financing and in terms of, you know, um, schoolwork and that sort of thing, they probably had to work a lot harder to, to gain their spot and stay there and get to the point where they qualified. Um, so that in itself makes them excellent, but it's, it's, it's one thing and it's a great thing to, you know, get to a point where you have a degree in hand, but it makes it exceedingly more, um, I, I feel like excellent and better if you had so many hills to climb before even getting to the test that had to be written before you got to study. Sure. Um, I feel like there's, there's so much of a precursor for black people. There's so many hurdles to climb and hills to get over before we get to the same playing field um, as black people. And I think when you say black excellence and when that come around, it's because, well, sure, it's a black person, but I think the level of pride that comes in is the fact that you probably have to jump a lot more hurdles than anyone else ever has had to do in order for you to get where you are today. And so, yes, we're excellent. But in terms of black, I mean, sure, the person's black, but I think that elevates it so much more because there is, I feel like, in my opinion, so much more work that you put in. Sure. And even if... Yeah, if I may interrupt, some people re- mm. uh, see this as condescending. You know what I mean? It's like mm. you you yeah. speak better than than the others. You know, it, it's yeah. black excellence. Is that black is not supposed to be excellent? So when you excel, then it's black excellence. You know, it seems to be condescending. I wonder how you receive this. Mm. I feel like anyone that thinks that that's condescending or black people are trying to make better of themselves or insult them, I think are just really ignorant and actually should just take a moment to understand where this comes from. Because I feel like if one is going to take offense without understanding where something comes from, that's where the problem lies. Because to understand that actually it isn't as simple as get up, go to school, you know, go to university, get a degree, get a job, like has been the blueprint for your family. I think understanding that there's so much more at play for people of color, then they would understand that actually, you know, this is, actually has nothing to do with me as someone who is not a person of color, but it's everything to do with the extended efforts that they have had to put in to get the same playing field as where they are. And so I feel like if I weren't a person, what I expect from someone who isn't a person of color to think to themselves, you know what, I'll, for the most part, the majority of white people, they've followed the blueprint that's been set out in their families, right? So it means mm-hmm. going to school, getting a degree, mm-hmm. working you know, in their family business or working in any profession, that's the standard, that's, that's the standard procedure. But for a person of color, so much more has been put in to even get to that position. And so celebrating that has nothing to do with anyone else. If a black person is celebrating and it's an extended celebration because oh, a black person has done well and anyone else takes offense to that, I really think that that's, they need to interrogate why they think that way. Because in actual fact, it doesn't have anything to do with them. It doesn't disadvantage them that a black person has done well. Hmm. Interesting. Then, when we talk of, yeah. of um, privileged, privileged, um, previously disadvantaged schools and um, and privileged schools as such, has there been any transformation? I mean, we see uh, riots all over, and um, 
parents and students joining forces in, in protest in, in different pr mm. schools about some racist elements uh, or practices mm. that could be happening in, in such schools. Is this rife? Is it, is it worth mm. it to, 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 to even try and pursue going into any of such schools if you're going to be mm. faced with such negativity and still fight things that were fought uh, for many years mm. ago already? And I think that I definitely think so that um, knowing that those are challenges that are faced in more privileged schools, I think is really important. You know, not to, you know, compare challenges, but I think to acknowledge that they're there because there still is, you know, in more privileged schools, there isn't the issue of, you know, um, overcrowding and teachers who aren't adequately um, qualified and all of that sort of thing. Those issues don't exist and those are still very prevalent in a lot of the schools in this country. However, there's a completely different dynamic in those kinds of schools, right, where the bedrock of those schools and the model that's been built of the school is generally, you know, of the white students, right, mm. um, of, of, you know, the, the white boy or the white girl and the model that, that they should follow. And so what we find is, especially because of these institutions are generally, like, old, you know, 1800, 140 years old, you know, we can see that the foundations that they've been built upon have mm. been colonial. Mm -hmm. um, and so for people to come to these schools, they're having to fight the mold that's been set. So the culture that's been set at school has been right for about 70 years. And now all of a sudden, there are people of color joining the school and saying, you know what, actually, I don't fit that mold. I never will fit that mold. And so I do think it's important to acknowledge that there's going to be a struggle that's going to be fought because the school wasn't built, for, the, 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 ideal, the ideals of the schools weren't built for us. But at the end of the day, you know, this, this is South Africa and we have to make room for anyone who needs to be there. However, I, I definitely do still think that it's worth it. It's worth it for the experiences that they get out of that place. Granted that there are some negative aspects, but in terms of the education that people receive, in terms of the um, the networks that they, they are able to build, in terms of, um, you know, the sporting and extramurals and, um, community that still can be found in those institutions. I definitely still think that there is space for that, but just doing that aware of, um, you know, the systems that have been put in place. Mm. Interesting. If, if we may ask on a lighter note, Kenzie, you say mm. you are a Christian and you've been a Christian from birth. Your parents took you to church and now you're leaving another mm. parents away from home. Um, are you are you still active in the things of of the Lord? Uh, remembering mm. that this is a Christian radio station, mm. Mm. Uh, are you are you still active in that, or have you found uh, new mm. ways? Mm. I one hundred percent am still active in that. I've, more than anything, I feel like I've just grown so much more um, in that realm. I feel like obviously moving so far away from home, mm. there was a choice, there was a decision that had to be made. And, you know, no, no one else could have really affected that. I mean, if I decided uh, I'm not really going to do this Jesus thing anymore, I'm not going to church, all of that sort of thing, no one would have really known. Mm. And if my parents kind of figured it out, there's really nothing that they could have done about it, truth be told. Mm -hmm. um, and so I feel like so much more I, I, I value my faith and where I am because I know that it's not because anyone made me do it or because that was something that we just did, but it's that I've made the mm -hmm. conscious choice. Um, to do that, I make a conscious choice. So I definitely, 
to answer your question, I am I'm still involved. I started off, mm. I found the church here um, where I am and I've got, um, at school, we have a community. And so um, I actually head that community now, which is one of the greatest honors of my matric year. Mm. And so, um, yeah, I really am just so grateful that I've been able to be that and that. Oh. Um, my relationship with the Lord has only just grown. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Time flies when Reggie, yeah. when we're having fun, when we're having fun, and when we're learning a lot, when you're <laughs> learning a lot, <laughs> yeah, yeah. absolutely. But tell me, um, would you send your daughter to a boarding school way away from from home and to fend for themselves or to to swim out there with the sharks? Mm-hmm. Would you do it? <laughs> I feel like my my immediate answer is yes, but I do think that it's important to, to I mean, you know, know the personality of the child yeah. and know that okay. I know what, you know, boarding school can do for someone. I mean, I've mm-hmm. been in the system for five years. I know that, the, like, about the independence that it can build, um, you know, the self-awareness, the self-worth, the, the all of that sort of thing that's really positive that it can build in someone. But I do think that, that also is for a certain kind of person. Mm-hmm. Yes, it might be uncomfortable for people and then they can eventually evolve into that kind of group. But for some people, I feel like some people just couldn't handle. Um, I'm not sure that a lot of people could handle it. So I want to say yes, my answer is yes. But I feel like if my daughter can't handle it, then it doesn't really do any good to force it. Mm. So it's got to yeah. be um, seen from child to child or by merit. I think so. Yes. Beautiful. Hey, it's it's about two minutes before we yeah. wrap up. Yeah, and, and uh, it's, it's interesting that uh, an hour has gone yeah, so has quickly. Gone hey? So quick, eh? And <laughs> truth be told, it has been an honor to have you, uh, Kenzie, on the show. And I think we 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 actually um, should have her again. You know, um, and we are going to basically learn a lot um, from from you. And I think more than anything, I'm just so happy to s- to actually listen to to Kenzie. It gives me confidence that um, as 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 a country, we have upcoming um, um, leaders who are basically going to 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 to, to bring um, um, a better future to, to to South Africa. And by the way, um, Kenzie, I would like to uh, actually state your 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 surname. You know, um, we've we've <laughs> kept it privacy um, until now. At the end of the show, to say <laughs> Kenzie is Ken uh, 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 Ketan. So you know, <laughs> the Ketanes are are grooming leaders for us. And um, thank you very much, Mr. Ketan, and thank you also, uh, Kenzie, for so much knowledge. Eh? Um, yeah, if 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 ever we were in 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 a stadium, I'd say I must shine his hand uh, because you know what? Today, the future is really in. Good hands. Nah, I think she paid me. She paid me to come to the studio. So <laughs> she paid you to come to <laughs> no, the studio. No, she paid me. She paid a huge bribe. So yeah, yeah, yeah. guys, maybe when before we leave, we can just collect some money, then put it into yeah. the bank account. Put you it know? into the bank account. Okay, Absolutely. amazing stuff. Um, time flies uh, when we're having fun. When we're having uh, we fun. believe that we're still going Thank to have you again this time and do enjoy mm-hmm. and keep your head up and. I, I think Thank the you change so you you have the power to bring the change which we are talking about in this show. So mm. keep it up. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mr. Shabella. I appreciate it. Amazing. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Dad. It's <laughs> seven o'clock. Hey, what was that? It's seven o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Cherio. Nice to speak Thank to you. you to you guys again today. We are going to meet again, same place, same time. Cherio.
Come on, let's go. 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 Let